Hey everyone, this is Doug Carson, and you're currently listening to the We WFM podcast that aims to be the voice of all things workforce management related. I'm joined for this podcast by Anshan Duivedi, who's the head of vendor management at Scalable Capital based in Berlin, Germany. Today, I'm going to talk about how workforce management is a critical and supportive component to outsourcing vendor management. But not only that, we're going to dive into a few personal topics, including who are the three people who have been the most influential to Anshman, one of which is super interesting and worth tuning in just for that. Hey everyone, I'm happy, really happy to have one of the leaders of the contact center in outsourcing industry and a good friend of mine, Anshuman Devadi. Uh, Anshuman has had two decades of collective experience in customer service outsourcing, business operations, uh, both on and offshore vendor management. He's really well traveled. He's got great analytical skills, uh, which is of course something we in workforce management uh, really appreciate, but he's also really strong in EQ and leadership as well. Anshman, really great to have you on the on the podcast. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for spending the time to do this. Thanks, Doug. The pleasure is mine. I'm super excited to be here, and uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, of course, the, this podcast is about workforce management, uh, and we're certainly going to get into that a little bit uh, later. Um, but before we do, um, I'd like um, our listeners to get to know you a bit better. Because uh, I know you very well, um, but there's a lot of people out there that, 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 that don't. Um, uh, so if you don't mind, um, could you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, what part of the world you're, that you're currently based in, uh, how long you've uh, lived here or how long you've, uh, you've been here, uh, and some, some sort of tastes of your, uh, your career journey to date? Absolutely. Happy to do that. Um, so, um, yeah, I've been, uh, uh, I've been, uh, so I'm from India originally. Mm. I moved to, to Germany in 2008 for my, for my master's. Um, the goal was to see the world and see, you know, what lies uh, uh, outside of where I was. Mm. Um, and I finished my, my master's in 2010 um, and then, you know, jumped into the job market as anybody would want to. Yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough year. Uh, you know, uh, with the with the financial crisis, but things sure, worked out. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that was a, that was a difficult time. Yeah, that was a very difficult time, and uh, a lot of uncertainty as to what's what's going to happen. But uh, things worked out. Um, so basically, um, my entire career uh, has been you know within the within the customer service mm-hmm. and 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 the management and workforce management uh, domain. Uh, very early in my my career, I did actually spend quite a lot of time within the WFM real so okay I was, I, do you know what i, was, I didn't i actually didn't know that um, <laughs> that's, that's why that's why i was so excited about this because uh, i was uh, a workforce used to be a workforce analyst and uh, i fundamentally believe that it's uh, probably uh, one of the most important functions that a company should could or would have mm. there's not a lot of uh, uh, visibility or understanding around it but it, it's super True. great that you you're opening a channel for people to understand that and i think we can dig deeper into that as we as we speak uh, so yeah, that, that's what I did. Uh, uh, mostly customer service. I fundamentally believe that also that uh, you know uh, uh, one customer treated bad is one too many, uh, and 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 this is where I think mm, also uh, WFM can come into picture to 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 rescue that. 
Um, I've been, uh, so I spent about 10 years with eBay, uh, uh, you know, a well-known yep. uh, uh, marketplaces platform. Um, uh, current, up till last month, I was working with a um, digital neobank called N26, uh, leading the global yep. vendor management. Also there working very closely with uh, you uh, in the workforce yep. management team. So that was also <laughs> quite, quite great. Um, and uh, interesting that we do this podcast today. We're starting tomorrow. Um, I would be uh, joining another wealth management fintech. Um, they're basically leading, again, the global vendor management operations for, uh, uh, for them. Super exciting, yeah, and and literally the day before you start your new job as well. So uh, exactly, yeah, double yeah. appreciation for sure for doing this. Yeah, that's, that's that's cool. Um, so I kind of have a bit of an inside track to you because obviously we we've worked together, uh, we've known yeah. each other for a while now. Um, I know you like your food, Anshman. Um, <laughs> in fact, I've even tasted your food. So uh, it's, uh, I, I, everyone out there, I can tell you, he's he's a good cook. <laughs> um, am I even right? You've got a Facebook group as well for Indian food in, in I do, yeah, in Berlin. Yeah, 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 exactly. How, how did yeah. that happen, by the way? I've never asked you that. So, so when I'm not vendor managing, I'm cooking. <laughs> you know, that's that's my that's my uh, uh, meditation or therapy, whatever you call it. Um, uh, so, what what I realized is that there's a lot of um, a lot of reviews I, out there for restaurants which are, I think, are not authentic. Mm. Um, and I love good food and I love to leave real feedback on, and get real feedback. So I decided to start a, a, a Indian food in Berlin page, uh, surprisingly got good traction. Uh, I think now we have a little over a thousand, uh, members increasing every day. Yeah, nice. And the, the yeah, size. Uh, yeah, good size for a Berlin group, right? You wouldn't exactly. have thought for Indian food as well. Really, really cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the, the goal is to, uh, you know, no marketing concepts, no restaurants posting, only, uh, uh, you know, guests who went to a restaurant want to leave real feedback. That's what <clears throat> we promote. And, and so people can really find out where are good restaurants to eat. So that's, that's something on the side. So, I mean, for, for everyone listening out there, if you, if you want to know a good place to eat Indian food in Berlin, um, Anshuman's your, your man for sure. And, uh, <laughs> and if, you, if you get to know me a bit better as well, I can I also uh, endorse his cooking. So, uh, <laughs> big up on that for sure. Um, I, I, that, that, that's, that's really cool. So, like, um, one of the things that I that kind of I like to ask, because um, I think it tells a lot about um, who you are as a person, is, is the people that have, that have influenced you in your life. Um, who would you say the, the, the three people or your top three people that, that have been the most influential to you and, and why? I always hope that somebody asks me that question. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, um, it, it, I mean, there are a lot of people who, you know, who, who I admire, who mm. uh, have influenced um, my thinking and, and, and uh, uh, you know, my style of working or, or being. But there are three people uh, uh, in particular that I have been super influenced by. Uh, and this is not a surprise. I think many people uh, uh, admire uh, the personalities I'm going to mention. Uh, the very first one uh, is uh, uh, Nelson Mandela. Mm. Why? Because I think he taught the world how not to keep hate in your heart mm. and how really to just move forward, forgive people and just do something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I, I always... Uh, I, I'm always amazed how can somebody have that kind of perseverance and that kind of uh, um, heart and, and, and uh, strength 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so his his life is absolutely uh, for me is like a miracle, and I really like him a lot. It's actually funny when you said like teach us not to have hate. Um, yeah. That sent shivers up my back. Is it's like it's it's something that that we all have inside of us. But like yeah, yeah. the things that he went through, I agree. Yeah, yeah, good choice. I mean, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, imagine living in a in a in a in a cell for thirty years and then coming out, becoming uh, you know the, the 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 president, and then inviting those mm. people who are your perpetrators being there inviting mm. them as a guest and having no hate yeah it, it's impossible mm. for, for a normal human being is impossible so if if we as human beings can do 10 percent of that i think we're going to move forward 100 yeah so nelson Dennett, I, I, yeah definitely tick on mine as well for sure yeah. that's one the second one would be then uh, uh president obama why mm. um i think he taught the world no matter how powerful you are no matter how strong you are, you can still show your emotions. You can still cry, and crying is okay. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are feeling that, if you, you you can show your emotions, you can cry, and that's fine. If you cry, it doesn't mean you're not strong. That's true. That's just... I, do you know what? Given you, that's that surprised me. Like your why on that definitely surprised me. I like you. You think of Obama, Obama, but that's an angle you don't yeah. think of. No, this this is this is like the top reason why I admire him so much. I think mm. it's just, you know, no facade. Yeah, yeah. That's that. The third one was going to surprise you even more because, um, as I said, uh, <clears throat> I live and breathe customer service and anything around supports it. Um, the, third, the third person would be uh, um, a waitress in California's uh, uh, no, diner really? called Denny's. <laughs> okay. And, and this person working there, at the restaurant for 38 years. Wow. 38 years in that restaurant. So I was there and uh, she was serving us and uh, the, the impeccable customer service. Whenever I go, I kind of try to pick up on these aspects. How are people serving mm. you? It was just absolutely mind blowing, right? Um, uh, you know, I got up, I asked for, for, for a napkin. She's like, oh, oh, please sit down. I'll get, get it to you. And she like <laughs> brings the napkin with a smile and she served us like, like I've never been served before. Right. So I'm, I'm leaving the, the, so now this is why I admire her. Why, you know, why she inspired me. I'm, I'm leaving the restaurant. I'm asking her, Hey, um, can I ask you a question? Like, how long do you like, how long do you work here? How do you, I'm impressed. Like, how do you do this? And she's like, oh, honey, I worked here for 38 years. And the only thing I can tell you is that you've got to love your customers genuinely. And that just stuck with me all the time. It was so honest. You've got to love your customers genuinely. And when you do that, when you put that in business, when you Mm. you make decisions with that thought, I think you cannot fail. She she needs to like go into consulting for 38 years. I I don't know. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I've used used the story in her in many of the talks that I gave, presentations mm. that I made, mm. and it really stuck with people, it stuck with me. I always think about that. When, you know, when we're doing something, making a process, making a flow, making a policy or decision, are we loving our customers? It's, it's absolutely true, yeah, yeah. Well, these are, the, these are the three people that have really inspired me and I continue <laughs> to do so. Well, do you know what, if, if you'd given me a, um, a bet for uh, your three people, um, maybe I would have come up with Nelson Bennett randomly, but um, the, the 38 years uh, lady in, in Denny's, um, yeah, 
Uh, do you know what? I might use, I might steal that story. That's that's a really cool. Or even maybe just make a trip there. You know, just, please uh, do. This was absolutely. Out. It was absolutely uh, incredible. It was a, uh, yeah, one of the best experiences I ever had. Oh, thanks for thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, so, so moving on to kind of um, workforce management topics, um, and I, even you know this is even cooler now for me because I didn't know that you had a workforce manager background. So uh, I did. So that's, that's really <laughs> so cool. So be careful. Be yeah, careful. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that we're trying to do in the podcast is is also to 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 really help people to understand what workforce management is. Um, and it's it's quite interesting when you go around and ask this question because everyone has a different version. Yeah. Um, but in your own words, what would you? How would you describe workforce management? What does it mean to you? Um, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can. It's a hard it's one, hard. right? It's, yeah. hard, it's hard. One, right? It's like if you had I mean, to explain it to your parents. Yeah, say you were yeah. doing workforce management, and you had to yeah. explain like, "Hey, this is what I do for a living." How, yeah. how would you? Okay. How would you describe it? <laughs> I could give you funny ones, but um, I mean, go for I, a funny one. Go okay, for a funny. You know, we we can we we can talk also about more professional uh, uh, um, um, definition that I think what it mm. is. But uh, if I have to think about it, um, you know, let's say uh, <laughs> so. Let's let, let let me try this. So you know, when I was a kid, when uh-huh. I was a kid uh, in my in my village, we had a, we had a lot of uh, um, um, livestock, a lot of them. And um, there were two people in the family who were responsible for taking them out at the right time, making sure where they go, what they graze, mm. and when they come back. And how do you basically um, make sure that this is happening like right as it should, right? So I'm, intri- <laughs> I'm intrigued where this is going. <laughs> 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 maybe, maybe I think I think I think maybe this might not be a great example because because then this yeah it kind of let's let's go let's 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 cut this one and we we take sure. another example. How can I best describe it? So, if you're um, producing goods in a factory, right? Um, you need you need a well-defined assembly line, otherwise it cannot work. Right, you, you you can have best of the processes how to produce something, but if you don't have a well-defined assembly line, you cannot you cannot produce those those stuff. So you can have different mm. parts in different, you know, parts of the of the factory, but if you don't have a well-defined assembly line, it's deciding what goes where at what time when mm-hmm. how does it put this put together. I think this is what how I think of uh, a, a good WFM team. It basically aligns everything that is in happening in in the company. I think it helps you to create the optimal flow for your organization. Mm. And without a WFM team, I think this is not possible. And my, my job, uh, being a vendor manager, I think it would not work out the way it, it does if there, was no, uh, if there wasn't a good, competent WFM team. Mm. So that's how I see them as a, as a very well-functioning assembly line that, that really kind of directs what should happen when and at what time and what speed and when. You know? mm. this, is, this is, for me, is. And it's true, isn't it? The you know the when it comes to to, to outsourcing um, and or contact center customer service, um, the, the the BPO world in general, um, yeah. workforce manager does is very very strong in in both the client side and on on the outsourcing side. For for you as I know you've been on both sides, um, 
but for you, how do you, how has workforce management helped you and your teams perform the sort of duties that you need to do as a professional? Yeah, as I said, I mean, uh, my team and I uh, and the job and the work that we do is, I can safely say it's impossible without having a WFM team backing us uh, pretty much all the time. Mm. So, you know, we talk about scheduling, talk about planning, talk mm-hmm. about the key inputs that create the efficiency in a BPO. Um, as, a, as, a, as a vendor manager, I, I may have an idea, but I don't have the deep expertise to create those flows and create those kind of efficiencies, the plan, mm-hmm. how, how would it work out, you know, at an interval level. And if I don't have that, uh, if I don't have a competent WFM team, it, it would be impossible. So uh, really, I have a network of five partners and got 400, 500 people working. And if vendors don't know when to, you know, how to plan those shifts, um, uh, how does how does the, the the plan look like for the week, for the month, for six months? Mm. This is all that is uh, uh, basically executed and led by WFM team. And you you put that away, nothing nothing will work. It won't function basically. So my uh, role for my job for my team, um, we wouldn't we wouldn't survive without an efficient WFM team. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and uh, and. Uh, you know, on the, those sort of interfaces that you have to have, not just with the vendor management team, with the workforce management team, but yeah. but generally with the with the outsourcer itself. Um, how do you typically like to set up those interfaces with the sort of the client side workforce management team and the outsourcer? Uh, For example, do you do you see it working better when the workforce management team engages directly with the outsourcer? Um, and if so, how and when? Yeah. Or, or do you see it sort of better as a as a sort of acting as a support function to to the vendor management team? How have you seen it best? Um, maybe there's you know there's no yeah. right wrong or right or wrong answer to this. No, that's a, that's a great question, and and different companies, different uh, teams work differently. If you ask me, for me, I mean, having transparency and open communication is the key to success mm. when you're handling that kind of uh, setup, that kind of operations. And I'm always encouraging WFM teams to interact directly with the WFM teams at the partner side yep. for one reason. So nothing is lost in translation. Mm. I can say I know stuff, but I'm not an expert. And trusting your WFM teams is, is really like the, the key to success here because you, can't, you don't want things to you know, lose the meaning while it's coming via VM team. I think VM teams may and should act as in point of escalation. Something is not working, then could be channeled via VM team. But I think, uh, not I think, this is how we set our teams mm, up. So mm. our WFM teams are directly interacting with the WFM teams at the partner side, also taking decisions. You know, keeping the the re- relative stakeholders informed, really deciding because they own uh, this piece, and and this is how it works really well. I've uh, seen working really well. Uh, what are the core considerations? So, what areas of focus for the client side to work for management team? And and I want to come on to a minute as well around yeah. kind of what the differences are because there are yeah. slight differences, aren't there, between client side and but yeah. but yeah. But what what are the main considerations? Do you do you feel? So normally, normally, I'm assuming you're asking about the team setup that when the, when the side has versus yes. in-house teams. Yeah. Yeah. So normally, normally there, there are two ways to do it. So if you have what you could do is you could say okay. You know, we as a client would provide you the entire planning and scheduling mm. for uh, the next couple of months, next intervals, and you would have to execute. So then you would need a, a smaller team at vendor side, probably an RTM POC, uh, you know, real-time management POC, and probably a WFM uh, analyst who would be able to comprehend the, the information that is coming from the team, uh, from the client side, and be able to flawlessly execute it. So that's, that's you know, that's one side where 
a bigger piece of responsibility lies on the on the client side. Uh, it all depends on what kind of commercial model you have, mm. but then this is one way to go. The other way could be you say, "Hey, uh, I would like to have a full-fledged uh, WFM team on the on the on the vendor side, where we as a client provide you the volume input, right? You would create the scheduling, you would create the the plan, you would create the uh, the demand, and then the client side WFM team would then just basically review it and you know give you a green signal, okay or, or not okay." Or can review the input criteria and then give feedback, saying, "Hey, you know, can you can you adjust these parameters and let's let's look at what what the actual demand looks like. Does it help the service level or not?" So more acting as a as a uh, you know kind of a, a checks and balances uh, barrier rather than really creating the entire plan. So this is two different ways. Uh, do you outsource uh, WFM activities as well, or do you keep it in house? And then again, depends on what kind of commercial model you have. And and. I presume that there's a there's a best and a not so best time to yeah. to to have these two types of models. Yeah. Um, do you have a preference, or is there a, is it a certain circumstance that you would you would choose one or the other? Um, I think I think I would I would still uh, like to keep the WFM core functions close to home uh, because, as I said, it's super critical. Mm. Um, you know, a mistake made there. You know, it's all about input output. If you've got better input, you most likely will have a good output. So uh, having this critical function uh, close to home makes sense, which means that you're creating the, the, the planning, you're creating the scheduling, and then the partners are executing it. And yeah. this is what I would prefer because then you have a better control on your input. Um, and this is what I've seen also happening the majority of the time. Mm. If you have a rather small operations, you probably can think about you know, outsourcing it, but I would, uh, my preference is to keep it home. Yeah, interestingly, on my side as well, I I, yeah. I feel that, but probably for different reasons. I think that yeah. you, your workforce management team often interlinks as well with other parts of the business that can exactly. translate the trans strategy. So, so when you have that exactly. outsourcer, you can be a bit disconnected. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, probably depends as well on complexity as well, I would imagine. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, it, okay, very, really interesting. Thanks for that. I want to kind of just change the subject a little bit here. Um, so, we're all for the last what two years now I've been facing everything's different uh, in the world yeah. right now because of covid and and uh just when we thought maybe we we're going to have a bit of respite it looks like things are back to being difficult again um i hope by the time this is released we're, we're back to to uh feeling positive about it um yeah. but with the explosion of covid um well it, it, there's also been an explosion of remote working as well and i think we're all still adjusting to what that means to work from home and how to find the right balance uh, of work versus home life, particularly when the two are so now intermixed with yeah. as, as it is with, uh, with remote working. Yeah. And then, of course, only in, recently in Portugal, they introduced these new labour laws where they're, they're trying to protect remote workers and hopefully help them to yeah. provide a better work-life balance. Yeah. A very topical subject for workforce management because um, we know very well in workforce management that you, you need to you need to prevent burnout because it plays out very obviously to us in, in numbers, whether that's through sickness or, or increased yeah. attrition or whatever it might be. Even sometimes people just, you know, being slower at their job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the workforce management side of it, things, um, what I'm interested in kind of uh, is how do you manage your work-life balance uh, and, and what advice and recommendations would you give to companies who want to provide better work-life balance for their employees? Yeah, that's definitely a, a 
you know the the topic being dis- discussed around mm. the 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 boundaries have been blurred between home and office because home is office right but there are two things here one with with work from home taking a better part of the of the strategy um first of all this is the biggest ab test the world could have done on work from home versus work from office so uh, you know so quick and with with immediate uh, uh, results and conclusion i think one of the thing is that it's all about discipline right so you have to uh, realize that although you're working from home you're working so you know maybe make a time okay i'm going to work from this to this time and after that time that's it mm. that's my personal time i'm not going to work anymore there are now softwares in the market which actually uh, you know companies are thinking or some of the companies have heard also deployed that they they create a time for you between 9 and 6 and after before 9 or after 6 you cannot log in Mm. basically so that that is something that uh one interesting. Think about yeah okay yeah yeah I'd, and I'd only wow that's interesting only if you are so if you want to log in you need you know same like need an approval from from a, from a c level or vp or something and that it works so that's something that uh, is also uh, you know budding uh, i heard but here's an interesting point i think this is where now the role of wfm becomes even more critical and this is where wfm can actually add more value rather than just running operations but also creating creating uh, being an active part in creating work life balance for employees now there the wfm team can say and own this piece right and create strategies even tools and tech to contribute in this space right and this i think is a big opportunity for uh, wfm teams across the world in companies to step up and say look you know what we 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 just not only schedule and plan we can also help add value to your business mm-hmm. we can also help create better employee experience for you and this i think is something that should be thought about it's 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 interesting like so workforce management teams they they focus a lot on productivity they focus exactly. a lot on um adherence to schedule exactly. and these sorts of things but but what about yeah what about a metric that is it it's like adherence to your to your work life balance exactly something, something on, on on the lines of this that's and then then you can basically very uh, you know you can basically uh turn your head towards the towards the, the the management and say hey look yes i'm here to 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 create productivity to make sure that your slas are met to make sure that everything is in 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 order but i'm also here to be a a let's call it a watchdog to make sure that my uh, teams my employees your employees are not pressed too hard i mean there's there's normally a negative uh, image attached to mm. rtm or wfm i remember yeah. what like i was police in, police exactly when i was in wfm analyst if i would go on the floor take around everybody would be just not breathe <laughs> you know they would just sit there and just like you would see everybody super serious and as you left <sighs> i think i think that shouldn't happen right i think wfm could could shouldn't would be a friend to the uh, ops floor and i think this is how also i see now an opportunity for wfm to become an advocate to the teams. I can see that working really well with remote as well where you know it's not so obvious if somebody Even more is, so. Yeah. yeah. Even more so, even more so. Yeah. Well, I mean that's a really needed. that's a really great segue into my last question actually. So uh uh although now you're not going to be able to use this. So uh, unfortunately <laughs> for you. But but what top three strategies or tips for workforce management which which you have? and um yeah out of those strategies or tips what would be your number one takeaway for the for the audience today and why i'm assuming you mean um how to create a well functioning wfm team or yeah just from your perspective i mean so i know yes i know you've had workforce management background yeah. in the background yeah. now or I know now uh, but of course um 
even just from a vendor management perspective. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think the number one would definitely be, you know, an open, honest, and direct communication with your network. Mm. Right. So it could be in-house, could be outsourced. I think now any large scale operation will have nearly anywhere between 60 to 80% business outsource. Uh, and this is where uh, having a open, honest, and direct communication with your partner teams can really make or break it. Mm. That's number one. Number two, um, WFM team, as we just discussed, should more come across you know, as a partner mm. than as police. Mm. Right? So create that, that feeling of partnership with the vendor network or with the usual network where the, the teams, the frontline teams that are delivering, they should have a sense of trust with the with WFM and, and, and they should understand, look, you know, they're here for my betterment. And this is something that could be used as a philosophy or strategy, however you want to take it. Uh, those would be, that would be number two. And number three, um, I think numbers are not always what they seem. Mm. So don't forget the human element when you're scheduling and planning, there'll always mm. be deviations. Take those deviations uh, you know, with a pinch of salt and try to work around that. I think yeah. these these three things I would I would say um, should be you know the strategy to to work, and uh, what's the top one? I think the top one would be as I said number one for me having an open, honest, and direct communication with the network. They should know what you what you're planning, and on the other hand, you should also know what they are planning, what they know. Every mm-hmm. information should flow seamlessly between the you know the the, the two points, and that I have seen always working. Uh, you know, then this will make sure you avoid surprises. And the yeah. worst thing that can happen in, in WFM planning is surprises. Mm, that just screws yeah. everything up, right? So, so that's what uh, my two cents would be on, on this. It's so true. It's it, that, that communicate side of things. The, I think <sighs> that, yeah, you can put as many numbers as you want down on a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to, the true context only comes through communication. Um, Absolutely. Um, and maybe just to, to add to that one, to give an example, and again, this, this in communication also goes, you know, don't assume that partners mm. know. We, uh, we had a situation where once we, um, you know, onboarded a new partner and having this, all this communication about, you know, planning how many FTs we need. And so WFM was, you know, very open about, hey, these many FTs we need to plan. We went to production and suddenly we realized that actually we, we don't have enough hours that we needed. <laughs> what happened? Nobody, everybody assumed that a definition of FTE for us is eight hours. <laughs> And the other side, we thought other side things also eight hours. For them, it was seven and a half. And who's wrong, who's right? That's not the question. The question is the communication was not clear. It was assumed. Mm. And then, you know, the project was in a bit of a thick soup. So I think everything should be super clear in terms of communications, no assumptions made. And, and then I think it would definitely, you know, the plans then wouldn't fail. But it, 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 that's that's a classic. Do you know how many times I've been asked, um, "Can you explain FTE to me?" Yeah, so, yeah, uh, exactly. so it's, but it's true, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, it's and um, it's... yeah, and, and don't don't assume that the language that you're using as well is is the same because um, absolutely there's no yeah. standard, right? So there's no standard exactly. Um, and I do, I I know you didn't pick it as your as your, as your number one. I do agree with you, your number one. But it's um, that I think workforce <laughs> management we, we often you, you'll find a lot that says I'm good with numbers, not so much with people, but it's, it's the, the whole essence of workforce management is people. It's, people. Work, it's workforce. We're, we're, it's, we're planning for people. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really great tip as well. I, I truly do. Yeah. I mean, it's workforce management. So if you just kind of break it down and, and, you know, go with management philosophies with workforce, and it, it, it has lately become more about numbers, but 
I know you how you do it, and this is how I think we should do it. More thinking about people, not just numbers. Mm. Well. Anshuman, thank you very much for your time. Um, on behalf of everyone listening here today, thank you for um, all of your insights. I, I think I particularly like the one around remote working and how workforce management could um, potentially just change the, the way that it's seen, um, less about the police and actually start impacting people's work-life balance, not just through the way they schedule, but perhaps pointing out some things that are creating burnout for, for, for their people. Um, Absolutely. Um, absolutely super fascinating i want to wish you the best of luck for your new job tomorrow uh, by, the time, by the time this is released uh, we'll, we'll know how you're getting on but i'm pretty sure you yeah you're going to smash it um well, either smash it or probably i'll be starting a new job <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> uh, we'll have to see once that, again thank you yeah once again on behalf of we wfm thank you very much and um have a great rest of your evening thanks a lot it was, it was really a pleasure and I wish you all the best with your podcast. Uh, I'm sure you're gonna, you know, you're gonna rock it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Ashwin. Thank you for listening to VWFM. This podcast is made and produced by Andre Leitão, Bilga Hentelun, Doug Carsten, Gonzalo Gomes, and Kim Paz. If you like this show, don't forget to share it with your friends and colleagues. Visit our website vwfm.com to find more exclusive interviews and WFM content. See you next time, all rights reserved.